Welcome back, everybody. This is Foreign Devs. My name is Victor. And I'm Yanni. And this is episode seven. Yanni, Man, what's we've, going on? We've, we've knocked out a handful of these. We're going to be at episode 10 before we know it. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. This just feels great. And even if uh, no one was listening, we're talking about a lot of great topics, I feel like, and hopefully introducing some developers into kind of the marketing uh, thought train here. I agree. I agree. I think that we have a kind of a unique view, you know, for being developers. We do a lot of other stuff, too, that, you know, kind of rounds this podcast up a little bit. It's not just reading the news or talking about one particular problem. But yeah, you know what? I got to really agree with that and uh, really strongly agree. And here's why. So I've always utilized my development skill set to amplify my marketing strategies. And we were talking about it the other day. Um, Let me think of what the example was. But in the real world, whether it's uh, search engine marketing or even SEO or uh, retargeting uh, content to display to audiences based on uh, dynamic categories or whatever it is, there's always ways of using the development skill set to to really supercharge these marketing strategies. Oh, yeah. And I think the example I brought up was if you're in a marketing role and you're just utilizing these off-the-shelf tools and you know someone else's strategies, you might as well be the guy flipping burgers at McDonald's calling yourself a chef. You know, to really disrupt whatever industry you're working in or disrupt the results your company is making, the uh, return on investments, you have to be doing something uh, outside the box, something unique. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for developers listening in to use their skill sets and uh, really bring something dynamic to the table. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that, you know, it's sort of like taking it to the next level advance, right? Because anybody, anyone can go and buy, say, a fast car, right? Anybody can go to the, the dealership that they can afford it. Of course, forget about money, but they could go just get a fast car. But that doesn't make you a fast driver, right? You Not still one. need to get your skills up to par and you're going to drive it just like the next person that bought it. But if you really want to take your driving to the next level, you know, then you got to do extra things that other people don't spend the time doing. Right? And that's, that's where the development comes in because it really lends itself well with using the tools in more advanced ways or combining tools or customizing the tool or making your own tool that combines three different tools. And that's where the power comes in, right? Because now you're exponentially going above and beyond what everybody else is doing. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, the, 100%. The, it it kind of takes me to a few years ago. Um, my One of my wife's cousins was uh, in art school uh, studying graphic design. And we were talking about coding and software development and web development specifically. And I expressed that it's been the greatest skill I've learned because it allows me to build and create things that I could never do in the real world. These tools, these uh, uh, foundations. And I encouraged her to get into that. Um, I don't think she really, really picked up on it, but it's, you know, when you start seeing the doors open, um, 
and these paths to what you envision come alive. It's it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, you know, actually, I got a great example of that um, today. Um, we were looking through. So obviously, if you've been following up with the podcast, I did the the new catalog print, and that's going to be ready to go. We're going to get the first boxes actually shipped to Yanni on Friday, and mm -hmm. uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday, where everything's going to be done. Right, all forty thousand copies are going to be ready to go. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I could retarget some of the people that have ordered catalogs in the past twelve months? But if I did that, it would literally cost us. A lot of money, right? Because there's been a lot of them. But what if I found a real estate API and I found, you know, things like what we were talking about with the the refrigerator that bought, that Yanni bought, and I really hone it down to what I would think would really be a good, really good candidate that has ordered a catalog that I could retarget with the brand new catalog. So that's what we're gonna do. So I started working on I found a really, really awesome um API, which is actually free. Uh, you put in the address and it gives you, you know, property value. It gives you, uh, you know, when was the last time it sold? So we could sort of tell how long they've been there. We can use all these parameters to filter down and come up with what could possibly be our very best chance at selling somebody a boat. And I just couldn't have done that if I didn't have the development skills to be able to do that. Right. So I, it's just one of those things, just taking it to the next step. That's awesome. That's I love reverse engineering, you know, creative solutions. And uh, yeah. there's another API out there. Me and uh, unnamed developer actually stumbled across it. It is another boat manufacturer's open API that lets you retrieve all their customers who have requested quotes off their site. So yep. this week's reminder is secure <laughs> your routes and uh, yep. you know, spend yeah, some time. And yeah, and the leak came through JavaScript. I think JavaScript is the biggest culprit of leaking information Yep. that, that you shouldn't be leaking because even if you do PHP development, your whole API is in PHP. Of course, you can't really reverse engineer that. But the minute you write a front-end version, that's it. Of it. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's it. You've basically exposed everything about your API, because if you are constructing all of your, your routes and your parameters, you could basically reverse engineer just about everything you want. And when you have a lot of leaks, that's it. I mean, you just need to piece it together. And if you spend enough time with it, you will crack it eventually, you know? So yeah, yeah. Protect yeah. your stuff. Yeah. You know, test your stuff. And speaking of testing, you know, I got to give, I don't know if I've shouted it out before, but load, L-O-D-E. Yeah, you it did. Is, you did. It yeah. is such a great testing tool and uh, props to the development team over there. I've uh, corresponded with them a little bit and just love having that uh, user interface for, for running tests and it speeds up, speeds up uh, commits for me, you know, making filtering easy, but just a great tool and I'm glad to see it out there. Yeah, you know what I'd like to do as well when I'm when I'm doing TDD, um, PHP Storm actually does it can rerun the tests and you can set every uh, an interval to rerun the test in the internal terminal inside PHP Storm. Okay, I have used that a couple of times because it's it really does speed up development because you don't have to go run the test. The most you'll ever wait for the test to rerun is like three seconds. Right, okay. I, I usually set it at three seconds. So, and as long as you're typing. It's basically, you know, not really going to run over and over and over. It's it's a little bit smarter than that, right? So it won't 
just run your test over and over and over. So the nice thing is you can, of course, make your changes and just kind of wait for the test suite to to run or that particular test. If we can filter it to whatever you want, it's a it's really useful, you know, especially when you're doing the early stages of TDD where it's a lot of like back and forth and it's just like, OK, what's the next error? What's the next error? You know, so I do like that that feature of PHP Storm. I don't use it often, but when I when I reach for it, I really do enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I'll have to check it out and eventually I'll have to have to really get into get into storm but, uh, <laughs> you've been fighting with it for years but you keep yeah. coming back to it <laughs> yeah yeah just that commitment making it a habit you know reading reading a lot of books on habits and just need to make it make it a habit but um yeah. one thing i wanted to talk about this week and a tip maybe i'll make this a new segment is for any developers out there applying to jobs you know I've, i'm getting a lot of resumes each week as we search for developers but uh, there's always some oddball pieces that jump out and there's things that I, I think I could turn around into tips for developers. So I love first, it. First, I'm going to call out the oddball applicant of the week and uh, we'll see how long we can keep this going. Uh, it's not very new because in episode one, we spoke about a guy who had applied and he had that photoshopped the, the uh, Mac unreleased Pro. Mac Pro on his yes, desk. Yes, I remember so, him. So he's still, you know, he's got the crown, but... This uh, this week's developer and this week's oddball goes to a guy who applied with an at AOL.com email account. Ooh, good catch. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it caught me in my tracks for a second. I'm like, really? You know. A, a developer? Still the, using the, AOL? The, uh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um, so this week's tips. You know. The one thing I could really say is put some time into that resume. If you're sending me a Microsoft Word document in Times New Roman where it you didn't put any effort into it, it just shows me that you're not a creative person. Uh, I'm not expecting a developer to be a designer, but I am hoping to see a little bit of, hey, you know, I can make that extra effort. I could put, um, I could improvise here. You know, I can find creative solutions. It just, you know, something a little bit doesn't have to be bright red and and uh you know a piece of art but just something showing some effort and I agree. uh yeah it's i can't believe how many microsoft word times new roman documents i see come across you know, one my thing, desk yeah one thing that i wish i would have learned you know before is how useful you know open source would be for applying for a job or you know, having something like coder staper or, you know, something like that, because it's so difficult. And I always found this very difficult whenever I was applying for a job out of the blue that I wasn't recommended to. Right. And how do you impress somebody with a code snippet? That's yep. very difficult because, I mean, I can send you what I think is an absolutely genius code snippet, but without the context of the application and how it solved the problem, it doesn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't have the same impact. So when when somebody requests, you know, a code snippet or a code sample, like that's cool. Sure, you know, I can I can send you some stuff, but check out this, you know, these three awesome packages that I maintain, or you know, on GitHub, or check out these videos that I've been doing, or this series of videos that I've been doing. Like that really shows your skill level. Yeah, think, you know, right? and if you write articles or you have a blog, or you, again, do videos, anything that shows you're passionate, that you're looking to learn more, that uh, it's not just, 
you know, a nine to five job and you forget about it at the end of the day, that really, uh, really does it for me. But if you apply, you don't even have a GitHub or a Bitbucket profile, or you have, you know, less than a handful of contributions in the last year, you know, I'm probably going to skip over you. And that, you know, I hear it all the time when I reach out to these people saying, hey, you know, I didn't see, uh, see, you know, any repos. I didn't see any code samples. Do you have anything you show me? And when I get back, oh, I'm under an NDA. You know, I'm going to take that as, I'm going to throw out the BS flag for that. And the reason is, is it's so easy and takes so little time to whip up something, a passion project, um, something you could show off your skills with. And as a developer, you know, I think most of us developers, we're whipping things up like this. You know, we're working on one project and we go, wait, I need to create a tool to do this. You know what? Let me create a package, put it out there for the world to use. No, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, I past, think, the, the past time for developers developing other things. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you plan on applying or you're planning on, you know, changing roles, I'd work on that uh, GitHub GitHub uh, profile and I'd work out some uh, code samples that show your skills and, you know, projects are always fun. At least for me, they are. I'm really passionate about them. Development. Yeah, and I think that brings up an important point as as you know, just the importance of hiring the right people can make a huge difference, right? It's not about how many people you hire, because I'm a true believer that one incredible hire can make a huge difference. It doesn't matter how big the company is, you know, so much deeper than what, you know, ten middle ground people could do, right? So I guess the tip there would be just just be that change, you know, be, be that person that, you know, they hire and they, they're thinking, wow, we, we just scored so big, right. Hiring this person. Yep. Yep. But it's, it's hard. It's hard to find them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, for like the both of us, we've talked about this many times to actually showcase the pool of skills we've acquired over the years and the projects we've tackled, it's, you can't just show off, you know, code sample. You almost have to show off a case study on the actual results, you know, uh, you netted and, um, showing results, you know, when you're able to create, say, uh, a software component that creates measurable real world results, you know, maybe increased revenue or a decreased, uh, time in processing orders, et cetera, you know, companies and the people who are looking for you out there love to see that they yep, love to I agree. they love i love to see that you can align your tasks with the business goals rather than just hey this is what i was told to do i did it you know one thing about going off of that of like this is what i was told to do and i just did it you know what really bugs me is um you know people that have this I I I don't want to I don't want to sound the wrong way but you know these people that have the 8 to 5 mentality where at 5 I clock out and I'm done you know and I don't I show up to the parking lot at 7:55 but I don't walk in until 8 right because you don't pay me until 8 o'clock that just really grinds my gears you know like I can understand one day you got to go you know or you got to be late or whatever you know what I mean but the same token it's 
it's that mentality of people looking basically stop working like 15 minutes before time is up like that's such a you know i don't know it just rubs me the wrong way really really bad i don't know how to explain it or maybe yeah, i'm not that, explaining it right the guys who won't answer emails you know if they're not in the office or or, yeah, or, or or won't answer their cell phone you know oh it's it's saturday i'm not gonna answer you yeah. know or or oh, i'm not gonna show up 10 minutes early no because you don't pay me until eight o'clock you know it's like yeah i don't know i don't and again so, i'm generalizing so i don't want to offend anybody no you know i am a very difficult person to work with you know that firsthand you know we I'm a difficult person to work with. I think we both are. We can, we can definitely agree on that. We, we, we're both, we don't expect perfection, but I think we both believe perfection is attainable with great, you know, great result after great result after great result. But as soon as you throw something lackluster in there, you know, it just starts bringing that uh, average down. And um, yeah, there's, there's people I've worked with over the years who are so against the visions I've set forward and the goals I've set forward that they'll do everything to be that e-break dragging us down. And it usually turns into personal problems. But then the team players, the guys who put in that extra effort, who show me, you know, show me that they can not only do what's requested or, you know, what the goal is, but really knock it out of the park and come up with something new and, um, you know, put their heart into it. You know, those guys have on several occasions spanned different companies where it almost becomes like this small team of people, these contacts, you know, I, I enjoy working with because I know what they can deliver. I, I have that trust in them. And I know it's the same way with you and, and, uh, some of the people and hey, it's the same way with me and you. You know, we can finish each other's sentences for the most part. Or if you were to jump on a project I'm working on, I'd have full confidence that you would deliver, you know, as good of a result as I'm capable of, um, just because you wouldn't want to deliver anything less, if that makes sense. Right. No, hundred percent. I mean it's we're like minded people in that regards of you know, the job needs to get done, but it needs to get done right. And, and it's going to take a lot of work to get to the end, but we are willing to put in the, the work day in and day out. And it's not, you know, it's not a one day thing. It's just, you got to play long ball, right? And, and a lot of these development projects, they're, they're long runs, right? You're, you're in for years of work, right? To really get it to where it needs to be. And you got to be sort of willing to put in the work day in and day out. And it's all, it's not all going to be pretty work, you know, or nice, you know, awesome developing, you know, <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of stuff you got to do that you don't really want to do, right? But you're still going to have to do it for the greater well, good, right? For that ending where it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. You know, on a, on a development topic here, um, so one of the projects that I've been working on is um, converting our main site into a multi-country uh, site so like okay. almost like a multi-language interna internationalizing it and boy that is um that is a whole nother level of complexity that i've kind of I've, i'm diving into and there aren't a lot of great tools out there 
And I got to admit, Laravel does have some pretty cool stuff for for doing it. But the basically the biggest hurdle that I'm running into right away. So let me start over. Basically, our our site is full US site, and now I run a completely separate droplet for different countries. So I want to combine that into a single site that I can just do changes to the one site, right? And I can have, okay. but for that, for, for that, I need different routes, right? Different routes for in different countries that display different things. And there aren't a lot of great routing tools in Laravel to achieve this. So you end up having to do kind of hacky stuff to figure out if, you know, there's a string, you know, because your typical way is you'll have your domain name, you know, something, something.com slash maybe en slash and then your domain, right? Or yep. you'll have, you know, slash au slash then, you know, whatever the rest of the, the URL needs to be. But there aren't a lot of great tools built into Laravel to achieve that. Actually, there are none that I've that I've been able to see. So you end up having to do this sort of hacky way where you set your locale. Uh, by just actually parsing the domain name on every request, which doesn't feel great. I wish I wish there was something in there. So hang on one second. Let me fire this up. Let me find a project real quickly. I'm gonna I'm gonna hear some typing. And let's see here. That's the wrong one. So. This is what I use for my, sh I have a custom short URL controller I use on some projects. Um, but what if you do a route group and you specify in the options domain and then your domain? Uh, I'll send you an example of it. It doesn't make any sense over, over uh, audio only. Right. The problem, the problem that I'm running into is that your links Right, so you so you don't want to duplicate your templates, right? Your blade templates. So you still want your links to point in the right place. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. You know, yeah. So so it would be it'll be the exact same link that you have in say two different countries, Just but you different. need to, but yeah, but each link, you know, the links inside those blade templates need to somehow be changed. So what I ended up doing was I wrapped all of my addresses, all of my links. Um, I usually use the the URL helper function. Yep. So I wrote my own helper function, which I called LOC for location. So it's like a location-based URL uh, okay. function helper. And so what that does is when, when it generates the link, it finds if there's a locale set, and then it knows it needs to add, you know, the additional prefix for my links. So it works okay. pretty good. It, it works pretty good. I think... I think had I done this from the very beginning, it would have been a lot easier to handle. But now because I'm having to back, you know, backfill this, I'm not super confident that I caught all of the places because it's not it's not just a general like everywhere that I used URL helper. Now I'm going to use lock, you know, lock helper. It's some things change, some things don't. Right. So and again, there is no sort of global way of setting this and persisting this. Um, request after request for this one user. Yeah, that's, that's sort of the tricky bit. Going back to where brainstorming with a team can save so much time. You know, you get you're able to work through these 
challenges and solutions that often require our sole developer uh, trial and error uh, to find that you know possible right answer. Or as you've said many times, uh, you only achieve perfection through iteration. Um, right. Yeah, I think yeah. I got after you know after a lot of this is one of those sort of long. You know, I've got an issue created for it, but I know it's like sort of a long thing and I've got its own feature branch going on for it. And it's there's no real timeline on when it needs to be finished. Obviously, the sooner the better. But I've been sort of able to to attack it for some time and then move away from it and then come back to it. And every time I come back to it, it either makes sense or I'm like, yeah, I'm going the wrong direction. I need to try again or I need to try something different. Um, but there, there was no huge built-in thing in Laravel, even though, I mean, the bits and pieces are there, you know, because even if you needed to translate it to different language, I use language files, even in a single language, just because I like keeping my text out of my, I don't like my text being inside my blade templates. Yep, yep. So I extract those into its own, like I have a copy.php file, and that's got all of my copy for the whole site. And it's, you know, completely away from my template. So when I need to change text and I'm, you know, doing text editing, it's all in one place. I'm not going through all these different templates, you know, to find the exact, you know, text that I'm looking for. I've yep, got this yep. one place that I go to. So I do, I do use those and, and I know that there's locale and you can change, you know, the time, time zones and all that. It's like all the bits and pieces are there. I'm just missing that sort of overall connective tissue of here's how this would work. Right. And, and it's, I haven't found it. Maybe there isn't one. I don't you know, know how anybody else is tackling let's, it. Let's talk about it a little tomorrow because um, with uh, my dad's company over in, in Europe, uh, which is an RV rental business and and is a new website that supports multiple languages. It's a craft-based website. But uh, I think there's some concepts we could use from that and uh, a little bit too too much to talk about over the podcast. But let's let's talk about a little tomorrow and maybe we could... Well, we could come up with something good. Yeah, we can come up with maybe some tips for anybody who's trying to achieve this. Or if you have some tips for for me, please reach out. I'd love to hear what you got. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that uh, you know you don't uh, you don't see coming when you start a project, and then they kind of drop it on you. And now I am scrambling to adapt to make it work. And, and obviously, the uh, the technique of just having different droplets that works, but it's just not. You know, it doesn't uh, scale, doesn't yep. scale at all because now I'm maintaining all these different droplets. So it's, you know, I got to make sure that I keep separate branches for them because obviously some stuff is different. So when I do updates to one, then I've got, I'm constantly merging um, and trying to get conflicts resolved. And it's, it's just not super pretty. It's not great. Um, it's always easier to just maintain one single source, you know, branch. So Yep. That's why this conversion is. And as as we add more countries and more support, it's going to come in extremely handy. So I definitely need to get it done. And uh, yeah, that's that's sort of my new long-term project that I've been doing lately. Oh, nice, nice. You know, those challenges, once you do figure them out, it feels great and very rewarding uh, that you came up with a solution that you're happy with. Yep. That just takes and some also, time. Yeah, and in other news, I also start working on the uh, the next uh, paid course. So, oh, I was going to ask about Coder's Tape. What's new there? 
yeah, so Coder's Tape, I've been uh, I've been a little bit out of it lately. I've been super busy with this, you know, all these projects and stuff. But um, Coder's Tape is still growing, you know, as a channel. I'm, you know, I'm very much involved still, of course, and you know, got more content planned for it coming soon. But you know, I've got um, I'm going basically. I'm about to wrap up year one of Coder's Tape, and you know, I've got some great plans, and that includes obviously some more paid content and some more free content as well. But the, um, you know, the paid courses, they do kind of take a, a lot longer, right? Because they're more like project-based is the way that I'm approaching it. So, uh, you know, these projects, they, they do take quite a bit of time. So I've been spending a lot of time recording them and making sure that they are, you know, everything that I would want for me, right? And, that, and that's always been my approach is, you know, could I have learned from this? And if yes, then I'm doing that. I feel like I'm doing a good job, you know, and if... If I say, well, I'm not understanding this, you know, because I go back and I edit the video. So I watch them again and eh, that maybe this section here needs to be redone or needs more explanation or, you know, this stuff like that. Some of these concepts are easier to understand than others. And actually, as a quick, quick side note, I've been I, you know, YouTube recommends a lot of videos and sometimes they really hit on some stuff. And I've been digging on some um, like interview question, algorithm questions videos lately. Um, and some of these are very, really, really cool and really interesting. Um, I was watching a video yesterday. Uh, it's supposed to be an Amazon uh, engineer question, right? So when they're hiring you, this would be one of the interview questions. Okay. Um, and it was talking about, you know, if you had a la- uh, uh, if you had a, a staircase, right, of X number of steps, how many different possibilities could you have, right? So if you got the Say if you're if you had a uh, an array and it was only one and two, meaning that you can skip one step or two steps, how many different possibilities could you have in an n number of steps? Um, you know, uh, stairwell, right? So, okay. uh, you know, just it's just really was really cool to watch sort of how somebody would solve that problem, and. So I've been really digging on some some algorithm uh, logic stuff on uh, on YouTube lately. There's some really good content on that. So if anybody's got I, time, that I, I definitely check those out. Yeah, I think I'd answer that question the same way I did uh, during a college ent- <laughs> entrance exam. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, Don't yeah. Die on us. No, um, the it was a graphic design program or a multimedia arts program. And the entrance exam was, it was the same one they were giving uh, mechanical engineers at the time. So it was very largely math-based. And there were a handful of questions that stumped me. And I got frustrated at, with it at one point. And, you know, I, I did the best I could on the test. But when it was an opportunity to leave my comments and share my thoughts, I ripped them apart. and. <laughs> criticize the school and i remember my dad dad uh saying well you blew it now you know they're not gonna accept you after that but sure enough a few months later i get my my welcome package and congratulations etc and ended up turning down the school anyway so my dad was laughing <laughs> about that and he's like you know you you know rip them apart you know, call them idiots for the test they gave you, get accepted, and now you turn it down. And now you turn it down. And, and, Talk about uh, a statement. Yeah, I think, think 
uh, just sometimes it's it's fitting to let people know what you really think, and that kind of uh, algorithm question would would definitely not want to be one I answer <laughs> on the spot. So, so I'd come up with something. Something. I know. Uh, a I'm a little nerdy, though. I'm a little yeah. nerdy. You know, oh, no, I, I, I love I love thinking about them, but on the spot, I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I know. It takes, you know, it feels like it's so. Well, you go to interview questions, and you know they're all prepared, and they expect you to just be prepared to answer these prepared questions, right? So it's does it really prove any of your skills? I don't know. It's like the code snippet that we were talking about. Yeah, and speaking of prepared. Uh, I'll I'll bring it up next episode about uh, how one of the world's largest car manufacturers and I battled it out in court um, and just speaking about the importance of being prepared and, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, you, you hit him with the whole kitchen sink. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, but, I think that would be a great episode. Let's do that. That said, I do like how these 30-minute segments have, have been working for us. I mean, what's your thoughts? How do you? Yeah, I agree. I hope the listeners are enjoying them too because you know, too. it allows us to kind of keep moving through topics. And next thing you know, you got to wait for the next episode. So got to keep you coming back for more. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, um, I've been getting a handful of uh, new followers on on Twitter and some people reaching out. I If there's anything you guys uh, want to pick our brains on, reach out. You know, again, we're open books. But uh, I think we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, yes, sir. I don't know what's going to happen. We've got the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. Um, yep. I think we'll play that by ear. Maybe we can even record there or something. Who knows? We'll, we'll have some fun or nothing else. We'll come back the week later and, um, and at least uh, get the picture. At least one picture. Yeah, we'll get the picture and we need some more. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. I'm Yanni. I'm Victor. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. See you later.